Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hi, this is Laura Lee, and today we're talking about compassion for the Body Love Cards. The picture of the card is the goddess. She has her hand on her heart, and she's looking down at her little power animal. She has her hand on the deer, and it's a very compassionate picture. You think of both of them sort of being there in compassion with each other, with themselves as, as well. And the card reads, Compassion is the necessary foundation for all healing. When we can have compassion for the parts of ourselves that we dislike the most, we can let go of the debilitating shame and self-hatred we have carried for so long and use our compassion to bring love, understanding, and then, if necessary, change. So for me... I went through many different recoveries before I got to the recovery of an eating disorder, and I did not have this foundation of compassion at all. It was more like not compassion, like trying to get better or healed in spite of myself and not much support from me to me. I got a lot of support from outside of me, but there was still a lot of self-hatred. I was very disappointed with myself a lot of the time that I was going to have to recover yet again about something. And I didn't really understand that compassion piece until I really needed to use it a lot for my eating disorder. And I realized that whipping myself into shape was just not going to do it. I was very good at being very strict with myself, but not for long. I lost the ability to put myself on really severe diets, and I lost the ability to sort of make myself do anything anymore. And around food, you know, you have to have compassion for yourself of where you came from and why you have this issue so that you can really look the eating disorder right in its face. If we can't have that compassion, we're just on another kind of a diet. Maybe it's not really a food diet, but it's a time diet or a support diet. I just was very mean to myself about that. It's so mixed up with how I felt about my body, which I really did hate, and with how I felt about being able to be in my feelings, which I did not like to do and didn't know how to do. So bringing that compassionate piece in was really the foundation. And then I could go back even and look at these other recoveries that I had gone through and sort of deepen those recoveries too once I had compassion. It really was about self-love, which, by the way, didn't have much of that, and respect for myself. Again, not too much of that. And once I could at least get a little bit of it or know that it was what I needed to do, I was able then to make the changes. And then the changes weren't, I'm going to do this for six weeks, and if it doesn't work, 
then I'll do something else. No, the self-love and respect and honor and compassion, lifelong, lifelong lessons. But anyway, I really love that compassion is the necessary foundation for all healing. And it doesn't matter if you're going through an eating disorder or you're healing from a loss of a friend or you're healing from dysfunctional behavior with your family. We just went through the holidays. So guess what probably happened in a lot of homes. But anyway, so doesn't matter what the healing is. The foundation is compassion. And today I have a wonderful woman here who I feel embodies compassion. There's her and then there's compassion all around her. And her name is Shannon, and I'll let her introduce herself. Thank you, Loralee. That is such an honor <laughs> to hear you say that. Uh-oh. My name is Shannon Myers. I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I felt so honored to have the opportunity to work with Uh-oh. you in my earlier career at Beyond Hunger and run groups with you and learn about compassion through your hilarious stories. Like, <laughs> stay with me. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I would say for my own self, I have a private practice in San Rafael, and I do a lot of work with eating disorder recovery as well as grief and loss, especially around perinatal and pregnancy um, periods of time. And compassion is definitely been an important part of my evolution as a person and the work that I do with all of my clients and also as a mother. Yes. Um, so it's oh, been... Yes. <laughs> Definitely inspiring to recognize when judgment shows up, how loud it is, how hard it is to kind of get out of the cycle of judgment Mm -hmm. and go back to a place of compassion. I would say for myself, being out in nature or being in a place where I can be more quiet, be mindful, helps me realize when the judgment is showing up. And I definitely offer that to my clients through guided meditation and really just slowing things down so that we can find a more kind way to speak to ourselves. We usually speak to our friends and our loved ones in such a kind way. And sometimes it's harder to do that with ourselves. It is so much harder to do that with ourselves. And I'm not sure why, because I can see that that was a taught behavior, that I was taught to have judgment against me and probably against a lot of people. We just are very judgy people here. (laughs) We can learn something else. And I noticed that my grandchildren are not as judgy as I was at that age. And my son is not as judgy as I was. So it got better is what I'm saying. They still live in the culture that we all live in. But I know that at least my grandchildren are not so mad at themselves all the time. They will kind of let themselves off the hook, like, well, you did your best. That's okay. They'll actually say that. I did my best, Grandma. And of course they did, and so sweet. And I never felt like I ever did my best. So it got better. And I just wonder... How did you get yourself out of that kind of judgy place with yourself and learn compassion? And then what do you say to your clients? Good questions. I would say growing up for me, my parents were divorced. So there was kind of some back and forth and wanting to please, definitely wanting to make everyone feel special and not 
being able to be at Thanksgiving with yeah. both families at the same time. So somebody was always disappointed. Yeah. Um, so I had to let go of that. I wasn't able to control that. I wasn't able to make everyone happy. I had to be present with the people I was with and get to make choices. I had to make choices or they made the choices when I was young. But I, I feel like perfectionism was definitely a part of right. how I coped, how I strive for thinking I was doing something ambitious, but really I was beating myself up and not enjoying yeah. what was happening. Right. I was judging, I was criticizing, I wasn't in the moment. So I think eventually it became about how can I enjoy this experience and how can I be fully here and quiet that judgmental, critical voice. I think with my clients, sometimes I'll recommend that they turn down the volume on that voice or pause it or just notice that it's there. Maybe there's a good reason. I think you said, why is this? I think it's because of protection. I think that's sometimes how we insulate ourselves to get through difficult situations. That's right. I still say this, that I remember you saying, we were such smart little girls to come up with these ways of coping. <laughs> it's a perfect sentence, you know, because we are all like just trying to get through the day and get home to go to bed, you know, and then get up the next day and do it again. We really are all just trying to do the best we can. Right. And how can we learn from those mistakes, because I feel like I've learned more from my mistakes than the things that have gone smoothly. So For how sure. Can I appreciate those moments, even though in the moment it doesn't always feel good to be there. No, and I pretty much hate that saying, what doesn't make you, doesn't kill you, will make you stronger. But it is true. But I still, when I hear it, I go, <laughs> yeah, I'd like to talk to the person who uh, has given me yet another listen. But yeah, I love the idea that this is our coping mechanism, whether it's judgment or whatever. But then if we can have our coping mechanism be compassion, what a concept. And sometimes I know people with an eating disorder or judgment, they name it, they make it separate than themselves. Oh, that's showing up again. It's here to protect me. Maybe I can choose a different way of taking care of myself. Yeah. And part of that is like, what is my need right now? What do I need and how can I be kind? And I think we listen more to that than the judgment. I think we For get sure. more out of the experience. And I liked what you said about you'll use nature, going out in nature to get that yeah. compassion. For sure. Yeah. Talk more about that if you can. Yeah. Like right now, we just had this beautiful wolf moon that's <gasps> so amazing. That moon. Even my kids noticed it. I mean, it was like, it it was stunning. And I think when I look at the night sky, and obviously I live in San Rafael where there's a lot of light, so we don't get to see the stars in the same way that I grew up with. But just to realize how small we are in the bigger picture and Sometimes when we have a challenge ahead of us, we get really micro-focused on that issue instead of taking a step back. And one of the things that I learned from my work at Beyond Hunger was connecting with inner wisdom and yes. taking that step back and listening to our intuition and trusting ourselves that we'll find our way through. Yeah, Even if we don't know in the moment, we can breathe through it. We can lean in on people. We don't have to do it alone. I think sometimes with the judgment, we isolate and we for sure 
get Me stuck in judgment. our own. This is too scary to share with somebody else. I don't want to show this side of myself. But right. really, if we reach out to somebody else and lean in on them, they usually feel really honored to be part of the process and feel more like they can reach out to me if they're struggling and it deepens the relationship. So Yeah, it's so true what you're just saying. I love the image of that moon and realizing how small we are, but also that we're actually a part of the moon and that so many people saw that moon and we all looked at the same moon if you will, and all of us felt awe and wonder and excitement about seeing it. And that shared experience, even if you don't know that everybody is sharing it, you sort of know, you know, on some level. That we're all connected. We're all connected. We're really not by ourselves. It's an illusion to think that we have to do all of everything by ourselves. I mean, again, that was a protection for me because... I got it. I can do it myself meant that you wouldn't see if I messed it up. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then you end up feeling alone and so alone all the time. Right. And I think with the media being such a big focus now, we spend a lot of time kind of connected but disconnected eye contact and being in community and it doesn't feel as authentic. No. How to choose people who we feel safe with to let our guard down and be our true self. Right. And struggle. Right. Because it is a struggle sometimes. Right. And to allow ourselves to mess up in front of other people and join, I don't know, the human race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and apologize if we said something <laughs> yes. that offended somebody else. It's okay. Right. Or go back and say, you know, I told you I'd make all those cupcakes, but Mm -hmm. I really can't make them all. (laughs) Can somebody else take that one? I'll be the door person for a few hours, you know, whatever. Like we can change our minds and we can set down boundaries. What a concept that was too. That was huge for me. And not to say yes the second somebody asks me something, but to think about it. Like, look at my week. Is this really feasible? Because if I just running around and not able to be present and enjoy it, then it's draining. It is draining. And I wouldn't know why I was so drained. And I would blame myself for being drained rather than that I was running everywhere. I felt all the time like those firefighters must feel in Australia, just running around, putting out fires. You know, I felt like I had that intense stuff going on all the time. And I was constantly trying to stamp out some kind of problem. And it actually was very relieving when I could do my addiction, if you will, Mm -hmm. because then I let myself off the hook as I was doing that. Again, another coping mechanism. And then, of course, it never really worked for very long. And so then it was back at it. And how have you learned to teach your children about compassion. You have two sweet little children. They're both very sensitive beings. So part of it's how they are with each other and the jealousy and all of that that comes up and how to be kind. If we're not going to say something kind, then we don't need to say it at all. How to take space when maybe we are less patient with each other. (laughs) How to choose to be with people that build you up that make you feel important and special and loved and cared about. And I always remind them how much I love them and how unique they are as a person on the inside, not just what they look like on the outside, which feels really important in this culture. 
It's so important because we're such a looky, you know, lookism society. So to tell someone how much you really do see them beyond what they look like is so great. I told my granddaughter, try to have descriptions of people without using what they look like. And she was, I don't even know what that is, (laughs) you know, because, well, she has red hair. Oh, don't say red hair. Just Mm -hmm. what else about her? Well, she has freckles. (laughs) 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 Okay, not freckles either. (laughs) What's about her herself? Uh, but I think it's good for us to stretch ourselves and come up with different ways of describing people. And they're trying to organize their world. And so putting people in boxes and categorizing is something that they do. For sure. And that our culture does. But yes, how do we value who we are as a person, qualities that are important and talents too. My daughter is a really great artist. And it also is something that... She doesn't have a whole lot of confidence about. So oh. how to help her build that for herself instead of that confidence coming from me, that maybe it's a way that she can express her feelings when she's feeling overwhelmed, that she can write and draw. And- oh, I know. What a wonderful gift. So that's beautiful because I think we have to learn how to teach the youth to have this. I think they can teach us how to have it because they have it. When they're really little and then they go out into the world and it disappears because they're taught something else. So I guess what I'm saying is that to learn from them and then to remind them of what is real is so important. And I think the peer education work that you have continued to do is just such a wonderful way to do that. To hear it from somebody who's also young is so yep. much more effective than hearing it from an adult. <laughs> just it's so relatable. true. I was telling somebody the other day that, well, first of all, let me say thank you. I mean, you and Felicia started the peer education group at Beyond Hunger before I stepped Took in. Took it over, thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Before I stepped in, everybody was having babies. So I was way beyond having babies. So I could take this baby and kind of hold it for a while. But anyway, so the other day I was at a high school and a 15-year-old boy came up after our presentation and said, I just want to say thank you for bringing this presentation into us. And he told me that he had just seen the Joker And he said, you know, it was so intense because the Joker didn't really want to be the Joker, but there was no mental health care for him. I mean, this is what he got from this movie. There was no mental health care for him, so he became the Joker like that. And he goes, I'm so happy you're coming in because we all need help. He says, I don't have an eating disorder, but I have other stuff that I can use what you guys were talking about about that. And I was, would you want to take over the peer ed program? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, how great to have. The perfect guy for this, you know. I mean, he really put it together and I thought, that is it. We can use this for anything that we're going through, whether, you know, you do have an eating disorder or body hatred or you have depression or you're just afraid to go to school because you feel like a freak. Anything you can use this compassion piece for. It's so true. Mm -hmm. I remember I was in the middle schools doing counseling, getting my hours. That's right. And I felt like people were 
struggling with their bodies a lot. It wasn't training that I had in graduate school. I was running all these groups and we weren't getting to what was really underneath it, that pain, all those vulnerable feelings. Yes. You and Carol came in and did a workshop and these kids really were vulnerable and open. And I felt so grateful to have that as a offering and you know it was just this one kind of moment in time but yep. i think it really made a difference it made a huge difference and it really showed me if we just scratch the surface with the youth they're not locked into this for years and years like we adults are they're like oh i can let go of this okay I will. <laughs> I know that resilience is so inspiring yeah. to me and yeah. to go off and launch in whatever way. And I know it's harder to launch now with that emotional intelligence. Yep. It's just such an important gift. It was so great that you brought us into that. I wish we could do that in every school, I have a too. workshop. I have a whatever, however long health is when we're brought in. So the presentations can be from 45 minutes to an hour and a half, if you have an hour. Whatever you have is what we'll take. And so bringing in the peers, somebody that is their age and can talk about this or a little bit older is so important because I can stand up there until I'm blue in the face and talk about stuff, but I'm just another adult that doesn't understand what's going on with them. That's how I felt, and I know that's how they feel. But another person closer to their age, it's all the difference in the world. Yeah, and I've stayed in touch with one of our peer educators that's like, it's shaped her life, and she didn't have the resources to do a lot of therapy to recover from her own eating disorder, and yet she is doing well and loving her body and that is so has a full life and the eating disorder isn't controlling everything and she's compassionate with herself and others and it's so inspiring right it really made an impact I really love that and I've heard from people who we have uh, somebody in our peer education group right now who's one of the presenters that Two years ago, we presented to her class. And so now two years later, she said, well, I want to do this because it helped me so much. I could have had an eating disorder, but because I heard you, I didn't. So that's so great. Therapy works. Workshops work. Books work. Talking about these issues work. They really do. Hiding in your room in your closet and eating all the chocolate never works. I mean, it does for a little while, but doesn't last. Nope. It's yeah. that flag that, okay, I need more help. I can't do this on my own. And you shouldn't have to. Mm-mm. Why should we? We're all here together anyway. So I'm wondering, is there any other work that you want to talk about? Anything that you're involved in or that you use the compassion piece, you sure, know, that would sure. fit with that? I would say the grief and loss work definitely is a place where yeah. compassion feels important. So my own story is I had a stillbirth for our first baby um, 12 years ago now. Um, and wow. that was an experience that just kind of turned my world upside down and remember revisit all my coping skills. And it changed my support system. It changed how I look at the world and yep. a lot of resilience from that. And yes. a lot of appreciation for the beauty in this world. And okay, this part of my family that I dreamed about isn't coming into the world in this way, but how do I honor my daughter? And 
help others. I was already a therapist at the time and life was in transition. I was expecting to have a baby. I was leaving Beyond Hunger as the executive and clinical director at that time. And how can I help others? So I knew when I was done having my own babies that that was the work that I wanted to do and got involved with a nonprofit organization called HAND, helping after neonatal death. And they're HAND of the Bay Area now. So we have a chapter here in in the North Bay in Marin that I helped start a few years ago. Yeah. Run free support groups for bereaved parents um, from miscarriage, stillbirth, infant and neonatal death. Um, and, oh. and people are raw and don't know where to turn. And I know for my own self, like it was so easy to blame my body for what happened. Yes. And I don't have all the answers for right. why that baby didn't come into this world healthy. Oh, I but I really a lot of guilt and shame. And I could have just spun in that spiral forever. Forever. It wasn't helpful. Right. So to be with other parents who question, oh, should I not have traveled? Should I not have lifted this? It's like all the Exactly. I shouldn't have eaten that. I shouldn't have. Yeah. Right. It's hard. What was I thinking? Yeah. We don't have all the answers. It's it's unfortunate that there's still so many situations where people are grieving the loss of a pregnancy um, for whatever reason and to not have to go through it alone to know that the grieving process is hard, but we can't avoid it. And how to stay as gentle with ourselves as possible through the process and know that there's something on the other side. I don't always know what it is and we know what we need. So part of it's just trusting ourselves that we know what we need to heal. And sometimes it's not what other people think we need. And so it can be really hard to ask and trust. But I feel very honored to be able to walk that journey individually in my private practice through the group work at hand. And then I do ritual work at Pomegranate often a couple times a year (laughs) and, you know, light candles and do yoga. I mean, that was a a huge part of my healing was just being in my body through yoga Mm -hmm. and trusting that this is my body. I need to make friends with it again. Same with recovering from an eating disorder. How do I live in this body? This is the only body I have. Only one you're going to get too. Yeah. Yeah. I feel very blessed to be able to walk through the healing with people and trust that they're going to get through with enough support. And sometimes it looks harder than others. I remember you going through that and just having to take a lot of time to give yourself time to grieve and to just be with the loss of her. And was a good lesson for anybody watching that, you know, of how well you did that, even though it was so hard for you. And for everybody who loved you, because we all wanted to say, who cares? Just get over and have some cookies. (laughs) But you can't. You just have to be there with what is. Yeah. It is what it is. It is. You can't really blame your body. You can't blame her. You can't blame that's control. Mm -hmm. Well, if I could have done this, then this wouldn't happen and I wouldn't feel like this. Right. So you just were with whatever it was. So beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. And there's a lot of stuff that happens that we have no control over. Well, most things. It's <laughs> like true. The Dalai Lama says, the only thing you can control is, well, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. <laughs> With his head going back and forth. I think he said that because sometimes I misunderstand what he's saying. It has a hard accent for me sometimes, but... 
Yeah, it's like we don't really have control over it. It's an illusion to think that we do. And I think that was freeing for me after that experience that I didn't have control. I couldn't control the world. It was so out of control that now I kind of don't have to try. I just go with it. (laughs) And sometimes that feels more uncomfortable than other times. But it really has been freeing overall. And things aren't perfect. It's messy sometimes, but totally it's life messy. And how do I stay present and how do I stay connected to the people that are important to me? Yeah, I know that I have people who are, especially in this day and age that we're living in right now, who are very afraid of what's happening in the world. And it's okay to acknowledge that and be with that and work as hard as you can to make a better place. But in the long run... There's a lot of things that we can't do anything about, really. No, we have a lot of healing to do, that's yes, for sure. we do. <laughs> we do. So the beautiful work in all parts that you're talking about with people, it's working with grief. I mean, we all have to go through that grief of whatever it is. Even there was a part with the eating disorder that I had to grieve that I was not going to have an eating disorder anymore. Like I wouldn't have that particular enemy friend, (laughs) you know, that I was going to have to deal with whatever without it. And that felt too hard for me to do because I had leaned on this eating disorder for a long time. And then to grieve the ideal of what I thought my body should look like or be and to let go of that and then accept what it was, which is a human body. Well, that didn't feel very good. That felt like I was giving up in the society we live in. Yeah, it's so just, much more peaceful though to give so that up. So much more peaceful, yeah. but we don't know that until we get no, there. That's true. It's like you well, you have to let go of the limb and you'll be caught, but you have to let go. I like in the Beyond Hunger work focusing on what our body does for us versus what it looks like. That was really yes. impactful. Exactly. What do we love to do? I love to hike, so having strong legs and being able to walk is really important to me. If I looked like the ideal image, that might not always yeah. work for my body because this you. is my yeah. body that right. I was born with and it doesn't look that way. So many women that have eating disorders or body hatred, they hate the things that make them women. They hate their breasts, they hate their butt, they hate their hips. They hate their stomach. So it's always, well, what if you didn't have a butt? You'd be sad. (laughs) And it changes what it's supposed to look like in this culture anyway. Anyway, (laughs) right. But it's still a perfectionistic thing because it can be a big booty, but not too big and not too small and not too this or that or another. You know, it still has to be the perfect booty. Yeah. Yeah. So how do we hold compassion for the body that we live in? Right. How do we take care of it? And I think of my body as a trusted friend, you know, or like a dog. (laughs) (laughs) You take good care of your dog. I do. (laughs) But like if I wanted to go up the hill, it will try very hard to do that. It will do it. And I have to be thankful for it that it did that, you know. But I have to remember that it's my job to take care of it. You know, my little dog. If I said, Scooter, wash the dishes, he would want to, but he cannot. (laughs) And it's the same way with my body. I'd like to fly. Well, I need a plane around me in order to do that. It's not going to fly. So I have to be okay with 
its limitations as well, especially as I get older. So like what you were saying with you had a baby, everything should be fine, and then it wasn't fine, and we want to blame especially mm-hmm. the body. Mm-hmm. But there was no one at fault here. It was beautiful when I watched you go through that. So sad, but I remember. Yeah, definitely life-changing. Oh, sure. God. All of this stuff is. Everything is life-changing. Kindergarten is life-changing. That's true. <laughs> Such a sweet time. Yeah. Maybe, mm-hmm. unless you're like my grandson who just cried at the door the whole oh. time. <laughs> Not yeah, that it's a happy. big transition. It for is. Sure. Going from the only people who took care of him were his family mm, until yeah. that day. Bye. <laughs> it's like, oh my God. I think about that. Anyway, so any last minute things that you want to put in? I just always come back to when we're talking about compassion, how to be light about it, how I feel like there's so uh, much heaviness in this world. I intensity. love that you're ending on this. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I Just sitting across from you, I can't forget about just the humor that you bring, the <laughs> the playfulness. How can we be gentle and kind to ourselves and like a, what do I need yes. right now? How do I take care of myself? Am I getting enough sleep? Am yes. I drinking enough water? Am I nourishing right. my body? Am I doing things that I enjoy moving? Right. Moving in a way that brings joy to me instead of forcing myself to do something that I feel like I should. So how to be a little more caring about this process. And lightly, like, oh, well, that didn't work out that well. Or have you peed yet today, Laura Lee? (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's a good thing to do. Maybe that's why you don't feel good right this minute. Yeah, to be more light with ourselves. These issues are so heavy. And to take breaks, sometimes it's okay to take a step back and not be in the middle, not listen to the news, not do everything that's on your agenda. How to kind of give yourself a little a little break to just take care. Yep. Go to bed early, whatever it takes. Put on your jammies at six in the winter. I it's love okay with putting me. Putting on my jammies when I get home. <laughs> Just totally changes my mindset. Exactly. Let go of the day. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. So would you read the just for today? Today, I will practice meeting each part of myself with compassion. When I feel critical of myself or others, I will consciously choose again to see the situation through the eyes of loving compassion. Oh, yes. We all have to remember that no matter what. I remember Carol saying long time ago to maybe one of our first workshops, if you heard nothing at all this whole day and you just left with a little piece of compassion for yourself, that's enough. Just start there. And start with thinking of somebody that you love and remember that you can do it so easily for somebody else. That's right. You deserve it just as much. Right. And they do that for you Mm -hmm. often. So we can just join the rest of them. Thanks to you and Carol for all the amazing work you've done in this world. Thank you. Thank you for being a huge part of it, too. Mm -hmm. It's an honor. It's an honor. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.